You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at GetBumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. Well, it's summertime here in Canada where I'm recording, and you know, in summertime, we're always told to go outside and explore our national parks. But, you know, for all disabled people, exploring our national parks is just not accessible. Well, I want to tell you about a really cool event that's looking to change that. My friends at the Engineering Health Lab at the Kite Research Institute University Health Network are hosting a virtual conference on national park accessibility in Canada. This free event will take place from August 23rd through August 25th, 2022. The goals of this completely free event are What does national park accessibility look like to me and why is park accessibility important? What are the major barriers that impact national park accessibility for people with disabilities? And what are innovative solutions to improve park accessibility for people with disabilities? You know, I think this is such a great initiative and something you don't want to miss out on because we really need to be considering accessibility everywhere, even throughout our national parks in Canada. So to register for this free event, please head to www.parksaccessibilityconference.ca today. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clonawilly or clonapussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you and they're super nice 
and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clona Willy or Clona Pussy Kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? First things first, I want to thank all of my supporters who support the Patreon and keep the bright light shining on this show. And I, it really means a lot to me that you do that and put down your hard-earned money to keep this show going. If you are listening and you want to support the show financially, if you are able, I fully understand if you're not, if you're able, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you will get an awkward sexy shout out from me probably more awkward than sexy to be honest but i would love to hear from you so if you're able to pledge i appreciate it and that means you get the show completely ad free one day early and um that's pretty cool so consider pledging if you're able or of course leave me a review wherever you get your podcast that also means a lot thanks friends but let's uh dive right into the show today Also, in September, we're going to be doing a full month of Great Flicks and Joysticks, where I review a month worth of movies that I have wanted to do for a long time that I haven't done, and I'll say it right here so I don't forget to do it, because if I say it publicly, I have to do it. The first movie that I will be reviewing is the Oscar-nominated flick, Crip Camp. I cannot wait to talk about this film. And I cannot wait to properly review. So get ready for a full month of Great Flicks and Joysticks coming up in September. But now, let's get started. On the show today, I sit down with my kinky new friend, Adriana Garza. And we talk a lot about their experiences of kink, disability, um, self-love, finding out about disability through kink. Navigating accommodations through kink and so much more. This was such a fun conversation. And we recorded this probably last, yeah, last August we recorded this, which shows you that I have episodes from a long time to get through. So if you're listening and you've been a guest, don't worry. I will get to your show soon. I just have a lot of awesome shows that I record in a, in a, in a vacuum. So this episode, t- we recorded this last August. But I am so excited to finally 
bring it to you with my friend Adriana Garza, where we talk about kink, disability, um, talking through ableism with partners, uh, finding out about disability through kink. So much, so many things go on here. But Adriana was such an awesome guest, and I was so excited to host them on the show. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's navigate kink and disability with my new friend and yours, Adriana Garza, right here on Disability After Dark. Adriana Garza, hello. Hello. So happy to have you on Disability After Dark. You and I met each other a couple months ago when we were doing Pride stuff for Pride Philadelphia, right? Yep, Disability Pride, I think, in Philadelphia. Got to be on that panel. That's right. Yeah, we were on a panel together, and we we got to talking, and I was so enamored by the stuff you said. I was like, get on my show. How do I get you <laughs> on my podcast immediately? And so here we are finally doing it, and thank you again for being so patient. My disability went up and down, and then your disability went up and down, and together we were just like, okay, what will happen eventually, I promise. <laughs> That's what I really enjoy about the guests on the show is that, like, they all get that, like, yo, we're disabled. Things happen. Like, reschedules are inevitable. Yeah. Rescheduling is basically, like, what we do. It's just rescheduling. Mm-hmm. We, we have it's to like schedule. Calendar is your friend. Yeah. We have to schedule our rescheduling. That's like, that's how, that's what being disabled is. You just schedule your reschedulings. Um, but thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy we're finally doing this. Um, can you, Introduce yourself to the Disability After Dark audience. Tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, my name is Adriana. A lot of what I do actually is pretty, you know, vanilla in terms of my day to day. I work in accounting and <laughs> like, you know, I just like to be a kinky nerd and disabled, you know, how it fits in all of that. But I've been doing kink things since I was very young and it just, you know, kind of became a big part of who I was and um, all of it kind of just coordinated all together. You know, when I talk to my my partners, even it's just my sexuality and my kink is just so integrated at this point that you can't really separate them. Um, but yeah, living here in Philly for the last, oh gosh, eight years almost. I can't believe it. I moved here from Texas years ago. Wow, um, that's a big move. It is a big move, um, but I've been loving every minute of it. It just, it suits me. Nice, nice. No, I've never been to Philly. Um if COVID hadn't destroyed the plans for Philly Pride, I'm not destroyed, but made them go all virtual. Like I'm sure I would have come. And like on the panel that we did, we've been like talking about me and, and some of the other panelists who will be guests on the show shortly. Listeners prepare yourselves. Um, uh, have been talking about like when the world opens up again, I want to come visit you folks in Philly. Yeah, Cause we- we definitely want to have you here. Like, I know, heck, like you've talked to one of my partners in the past, Kevin, and he's even like, hey, you know, we want to have you out here and be able to hang out and see you uh, in person. Kevin Patterson, he, first of all, I have a huge crush on Kevin. Kevin Patterson, if you're listening, giant crush on you. Have, so do we'll, I. We'll always have, like, cr- huge crush. So, like, if I get to hang out with Kevin Patterson in person, I don't know what's going to go down, but shit's going to happen. <laughs> uh but Kevin Patterson, if you're listening, I have a giant crush on you. Call me later. Bye. No. <laughs> so uh but so excited that you're we're doing this and so excited we're chatting today. And yeah, once I saw you on that panel for 
disability pride Philly, I was like, I need to talk to you immediately. Like, what? I remember emailing you as the panel was happening, and I was like, so we're going to chat later, right? Because you should come on the show. <laughs> um, so here we are. But uh, could you tell me a little bit about, could you describe your disabilities and talk about how they impact your day-to-day life? For sure. So I have, um, for like, I have PTSD as well as fibromyalgia and chronic pain. Um, I also have an autoimmune disorder called hydronitis superativa. So the big name that everyone loves to try to figure out how to pronounce. Oh, um, let me try <laughs> hydronitis superativa. Yes. Maybe it's um, I'm a gimp that I just knew how to say that. <laughs> So it's all sorts of fun things of my body just kind of like constantly trying to attack itself um, and having all sorts of stress triggers for different things paired with, you know, PTSD is just not a lot of fun. You're trying to figure out getting around all of that, um, you know, and I've been, you know, and I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which affects me in a lot of different ways, makes me at risk for, you know, like diabetes and, you know, infertility. So it's just, and I've been dealing with that since I was a teenager even. Um, but part of the the reason, heck, that I even ended up here in Philadelphia is because I wasn't getting a whole lot of support, I think, that I needed in Texas. And I actually had a partner up here in Philadelphia while I was, I was living in Texas. And between mental health issues and physical health issues, I was like, this isn't working. And eventually, you know, we, we hit a point that they came down to Texas. We packed up my apartment in a week and moved to Philadelphia. And honestly, it turned my life around. And it's like, I was able to get support in terms of, you know, like, like mental health care and physical health care, and just like, reminding me to take my meds, because as being someone who's like neurodiverse, too, like, that's always the big thing of like, hey, you got to take your medication. Oh, (laughs) yeah, right. But I don't want (laughs) to. Or like, I forgot to or like, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. you're like oh and I forgot to eat because I've been like sitting there hyper focused on something for eight hours like <laughs> so even just having someone in your life to be like hey you know eat eat a food like it's super helpful um and you know since I've moved to Philadelphia honestly like it became a situation where it's like I got medical conditions under control I held a full-time stable job I went back to school got my bachelor's degree and like, you know, now, now I'm a full-blown accountant and like, I, I can't imagine being in that situation if I were still, you know, where I was eight years ago. So it's just amazing even like how disability can, can trigger such big changes in life. Yeah. I mean, that's something we don't talk about enough too. Like, so did, what, what, when you were living in Texas, what is the culture of disability there? Like what? Oh gosh, it was. I mean, I dealt a lot with like, oh, so how long are you going to be on this medication of like, are you going to be able to get off of it now? Like, and it's just like, these are things of like, you don't understand, like it's a chronic illness. Which um, means it lasts forever. Forever. <laughs> you know, it's like, it means that this isn't going away. Um, it means that there are some of my medications that I am likely going to be on for the rest of my life uh, to manage this. But they, you know, they look at it as like, it's more so of, uh, you know, a shortcoming as opposed to like, hey, these are the things that enable me to live my life, <laughs> you know, and it's, and then you have to fight, I think, especially with, in, in Texas, you kind of have a lot of, um, a lot of people who kind of have this view of like, you know, like mental health, especially isn't, you know, uh, an actual thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it's I mean, just like, you know, you're faking how, this, you know, you want attention or like the Texas COVID response right now, like, 
that should give you a clue on how <laughs> not everybody from Texas. I'm sure there are lovely humans in Texas, but. Oh, for sure. There definitely are. You just, there, there can be a, a culture sometimes of, I mean, but granted, this is not specific to Texas of, well, you know, thoughts and prayers, <laughs> like medication over thoughts and prayers. And it's just like, but why can't we do both? <laughs> that should be a shirt medication over, that, <laughs> over thoughts and prayers. Like that should be a shirt. If it's not already, somebody needs to make that a shirt. Um, um, That's what you have your shop for, right? <laughs> I mean, I should, de- I mean, I gotta get on that. I gotta, I gotta trademark that for real. Uh, so tell me a little bit more. Like, like, I think that's really cool that basically your need for disability support prompted a move. Like, tell me more about what that was like for you. Were you excited because you're like, I'm finally going to get someone to listen to me about this stuff. It was exciting and terrifying and like all in kind of a one big thing. Um, it was nerve wracking because as you can imagine, because I completely, uprooted my life (laughs) like left my family back in Texas you know they didn't quite understand at the time like why I was needing to do you know what I needed to do um I think that there's a different view in terms of now that like where my life is at now they can kind of see like how much better it is yeah um but it was yeah it was just like it was very much a leap of faith in a certain sense of just like hey I need to do this like it's you know you kind of hit a point in your life where it's like you're at a crossroads and it's just like I either do this in a way that I think is going to help get better or I you know I'm going down this other path and just like giving up and (laughs) so it was really a a, just an act of I guess freedom at some point yeah it's just like I've got to invest in myself in this way no matter what some of the things that I'm losing yeah yeah and do you find that the, the disability like culture is different in Philadelphia versus Texas? Like, the, like we talked about that a second ago, but more like the community in Philly. What has that been like for you? Um, overall, it's been really good. I think the biggest problem for me in terms of my my disability with things is just the fact that Philadelphia itself is older. Um, so a lot of buildings don't have um, even like elevators or a lot of them don't even just have air conditioning. So my, my autoimmune disease can actually really get triggered by sweating. So <laughs> I am very much constantly staying somewhere that's cool, you know, central air in, you know, like I just moved into a new apartment with central air and I've been ridiculously happy. Oh, nice. Isn't it great? <laughs> it's, I have central air where I live too. And it's so nice. But it's just nowhere in Texas doesn't have central air because it's just too hot not to. So yeah. dealing like the people, I feel like we're better in a lot of ways. Um, but just, you know, figuring out the, reality of accommodations i think was was something to to tackle just because of like i said it's so much older up here it's beautiful because of that in a lot of ways but it's so much older yeah tell me more about i'm more curious about your your day-to-day stuff like tell me more about like just your disability experience day-to-day like like how does it impact just day-to-day yeah so it's sometimes you have a day where it's like a flare-up comes out of nowhere and the next thing you know like I can't move. <laughs> like, oh, like that's fun. Yeah, right. Especially with um, like I don't know how familiar you are even with just like fibromyalgia things, but you can have like stress triggers, and it's like my legs all of a sudden will feel super heavy, and it's hard for me to get around. You know, and it's trying to have an accommodation for that, and people who don't always understand that. I thankfully have a, a very understanding workplace because I work with like like in a medical community, 
Um, and so when I'm just like, Hey, I'm having a rough, you know, disability today, they're like, okay, no problem. You can work from home, which, and even that alone is a huge privilege. I know. Can we make that, can we make that part of like everyone's availability from now on, please? For sure. Like like, I have, I definitely haven't had that at past workplaces and it's just night and day. (laughs) It's like, Oh, Hey, I don't have to take a, you know, one of my PTO days for for because of being disabled i can actually just have an accommodation which is huge let me say it again i don't know when this is coming out but even if it comes out a few months from now let me still say like we need work from home no matter if the pandemic ends or not we still need work from home accommodations for everyone especially if they identify as being chronically ill or disabled this should be it should not be a question anymore everyone just thanks this past PSA year has shown us this past year has shown us that they entirely have the ability to do this and they, they just always have the ability and they just chose not to use it so sorry like i could i could do a whole episode on how angry that makes me period the end it's like yeah exactly i have it, done it, uh, i yeah <laughs> frustration in a lot of ways so frustrating um, but in some of the other things even like i have a, a nesting partner um, who's also my, my daddy Dom. And so like a lot of it is kind of like how him and I are, interact even in our day to day. And like, you know, he knows that, you know, what days do I have energy to do things <laughs> or what day it's like, no, today I'm going to have to just be on a couch. So, um, you know, communicating that and just things getting done around your normal house. And, you know, sometimes, um, we pick up the slack and figure it out. And heck, I, <laughs> what before him and I moved in together, um, there was actually a time that I, I was in my apartment and I was just having a day that like I couldn't move. And he had a day off. He's like, you know, I'm not doing anything. Let me come over. Um, and instead of me having to like get up from my couch and trying to figure out going and opening the door, he literally jumped down onto my porch and came in through my porch door. So I didn't have to get up and do anything. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool that like, I mean, that's a little thing, but also it's not because it's really important to have partners who are willing to like get that or just be there when you're having a flare or just just understand and like that's cool oh completely that's awesome um let me pull up my questions uh so one of the big things that you wanted that you talk about a lot and that i wanted to touch on with you today was i want to understand the connection between your disability and your kink so the question that i wrote down was how does your disability impact your kink? And then I want to talk a little bit about communication too. For sure. Um, one of the, just the hugest thing is finding accommodations with your kink. Um, there are so many different ways to do things that can make things simpler that people don't always think about. Or like, you know, even just as simple as like kneeling, you know, I being a submissive, I enjoy kneeling in front of my partners and like, I have a knee injury and not being able to do that was super frustrating for a while. And they're like, oh, we can just put a pillow on the floor. And like, like, this is a small thing that we can just have little accommodations like that. Or even uh, in the same way of like having the the knee issue of like me trying to be on my knees, giving a blowjob, like wasn't really feasible. So it's like, hey, I can lay on the bed and have my, you know, head off the side of the bed and still do the same function that I was doing before, but in a position that's more accessible for me. Yeah, like accessible, accessible sex is, is, is key and we're not doing that enough. And so I'm glad that like you have found ways to make it 
accessible. And also, aren't pillows great? Don't yes. they change the way we have sex? I think they're amazing. Yes, sex, blankets, all of it, like having the pillows, like it's, there are all sorts of things that we can use and and need. And like people, I think there's so much shame around sex itself, then combined with the shame that sometimes we feel about our disabilities that people don't always like speak up and advocate for themselves. on. Oh, yeah, I'm the worst for doing that. Like I talk about how we all should advocate for ourselves all the time. And I write articles about how important it is to talk about, you know, to make accommodations and how important, but in my actual day-to-day fucking life i don't what well, i don't want to because this hot dude is here naked why mm-hmm. am i gonna why am i gonna say why am i gonna make it weird now by putting my disability in there it feels unsexy right and you're just like well like but the fact like there are ways even just to make it sexy of just little things of you know how you're doing your kink and like it's okay to have accommodations with, with sex and or with kink, you know, because like they're not always the same thing, obviously. Um, but like, you know, even like I enjoy impact play and I can't, you know, necessarily always be on my feet for impact play. You know, it's just like standing for that long isn't entirely feasible for me. So like, hey, I need you to put me on a bench or if I'm at home, let me like kneel on the bed and have this figured out. So that way I'm not on my feet the whole time. <laughs> what does impact play look like for you? Like, what is it? Because for every other person, it can be so different. So, like, what does it look like for you? For sure. I, I use a variety of implements that I enjoy usually. We've got, like, I use paddles, floggers, canes. Um, i trying to think what else we've got in the arsenal. We've got belts. Um, I know Kev can be famous for his, uh, he's got the rugby bat. <laughs> he's got that uh, cricket bat. He has a cricket bat that we like. Um, and, you know, even just like there's like a, a and all sorts of, you know, pervertibles that you have. And you're like, oh, here's a thing that I can beat someone with. <laughs> like, um, So those are always a lot of fun. Um, and you kind of learn to communicate with doing all that stuff, because that's even something that you're doing with like casual play partners of this is where you can hit me. And this is where maybe you can't hit me as hard. Um, or when I'm like negotiating a scene, I have a lot of um, scarring from what my autoimmune disorder. And so one of the things that I'll, you know, talk to them of like, hey, I prefer to keep my underwear on um, just when I'm getting comfortable with someone, because I don't want to be thinking about my scars being shown to everyone um, versus like what I'm participating in. So it's just like, that's a small thing of like, hey, just let me keep my underwear on for this scene. And like, I don't have to worry about, you know, getting in my head when all that stuff is happening yeah and i mean we people don't think about the scars we have and like the stuff that even if we want to be sexy and even if, even if we want to show our disabilities people don't think about like just sometimes maybe you do want to keep stuff covered up because of the trauma and the ableism we've experienced like mm-hmm. maybe i don't want to show you all the parts of my disability so it's cool that you have partners and people that understand that people that understand you want to be kinky and you want to do impact play and all these things, but also you have parts of your disabled self that you still want to keep to yourself. Exactly. At least with the casual ones, you know, at some point I get comfortable with like a a regular partner of like, you know, my people that I'm in like more relationships with, that it's like, okay, this um, can open up to be sharing with you. But when it's like, you know, you're just going to a play party and you meet up with someone that's when, you know, when you're negotiating, I was like, "Eh, that's, I'm going to hold that back just a little bit. Yeah, like, do you feel, because I feel pressure as a disabled person to tell people 
um, all the things about my disability. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like you keep things separate sometimes or how do you manage that? I'm very open, I think, about the disabilities that I do have um, so people can understand how they affect what I'm doing. I try not to cross over, I feel like, into, like, like I said, the difference between casual versus relationship. You know, if it's something that is just individual people, I don't go into maybe all the details. But if it's someone that I'm like, okay, we're pursuing a relationship here, I'm going to be upfront about all the stuff that I have (laughs) because it affects my life. You know, it's just, if you're going to love me, you need to love all of me. And this is part of who I am and the reality of my life. And I have a tendency to kind of be upfront with people about things, you know, not to like scare them off, but if it's a deal breaker for them, I'd rather know now than six months down the line. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Have you had experiences with people where you've had to, um, like that you didn't know down the line? Um, yeah, we've had, like, there were some situations where, like, people don't always, again, like, realize the reality of it, like, reschedules are necessary. Um, oh, and, wow. Like, or, or, like, being indoors sometimes is necessary, you know, it's like, I would love to go out and do a, a wonderful thing and walk out in the sun all day, but, like, it's gonna make me have a huge flare the next day, <laughs> and, like, sometimes I need to be indoors, and, like, sometimes, like, outdoors is fine, like, it's, I definitely had a partner when I was younger who was like, you know, why do you want to be inside all the time? And I'm just like, it's like, it's hot out. I don't (laughs) want to be inside all the time, but I have to. Yeah. It was like, it's trying to find the balance, you know, like my perfect day outside is like overcast and like, you know, seventies. So I'm like, I'm excited about the fall coming. (laughs) Me too. So I was like, I can be outside in that, but like, and not to mention, you know, how medications make you like sun sensitive. So I'm like, and like trigger migraines for me. So it's just, how do how how does your how do medications impact your kink? I was gonna ask oh, you gosh. that later, but we can ask it now. How do how? Yeah. That's so a lot of the medications I'm on are like they they dry you out, right? Like they makes you super dehydrated. Um so <laughs> it's like I'm constantly like what one forgetting to drink water and having to remember to do that. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast about how I never drink enough water. Because I never drink enough water. Completely. And it's just like, it. yeah, it, it slips your mind. Again, like, so just from a neurodiverse like, perspective, you forget to do that. And then, you know, I, it's, so not only does it dry you out, you know, you get like dehydrated, but it also is going to affect your ability to like self-lubricate. And so, you know, I've had partners even in recent years who taught me very much the, the value of keeping good lube around. So that was a big thing. Um, not to mention that onto the fact that I am a bit of a squirter. So Ooh, all, of my, like that. all of my relationships kind of know if you dehydrate me, you are, rehi- you are responsible for rehydrating me. So <laughs> I was like, we have to get a water bottle or something nearby that it's just like, you know, make sure that I have something to drink after all that happens. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and I like, I also think like, you know, dehydration because I need help to pee so I don't drink because I'm like I don't want to have to ask them for help during sexy times that's weird right but it's like but you need to (laughs) yeah we don't want to but we need to but we need to and so like those things require communication has it taken you time to uh to like hone how to communicate that to partners like 
what was that journey like for you? Trying to get to a place where you're like, hey, kinky, sexy, cool person, I need help with this. How do I navigate this? It has definitely come to a point. I think like, I feel like I have like a script and I keep joking about it. I need to actually sit down and do it at some way that like, you know, having my own user manual, right? It's like, here's a list of all the medications I'm on. This is the list of like disability information. Um, Here's how some of my like neurodiverse things affect what I'm going to eat or not. Like, (laughs) because it's like, I'm a picky eater and it's not always like, people don't always understand that. And they think you're trying to be like, I don't know whether just like stuck up or immature or whatever, but I'm like, it's literally a texture thing for me. Like if I have something that's the wrong texture, it's going to trigger all sorts of other things. And like, I'd rather not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think, you know, talking, talking to partners about that kind of stuff too is so, it's so hard. Like, but you're right. I think, I feel like we should all come with a handbook of like, if you want to fuck me or get to know me, these are the things you're going to need to know. You open your books to page one yep. and find out like, about Andrew Gerza. Here, here are your FAQs. <laughs> yeah. My, I think one of my favorite rules that I definitely implemented in terms of like, like I said, like a food issue. I'm like, okay, I am willing to try a new food with the caveat that if it doesn't work out, we're allowed to go get me like chicken nuggets or something. <laughs> like as long as there's a backup, because I will put myself in situations where it's like, I'll try something and then I can't eat it. And then I just go hungry. <laughs> and so it's like, as long as there's this backup and like, not going to be a shame issue with it, then I'm more willing to try something. So I'm able to like extend that trust to some people and have a solution. Do you find trust like, Trust is something that I find really hard in relationships to grow, even if they're just casual relationships because of the ableism that I've experienced. How do you feel about trust? It's definitely not an easy thing <laughs> to start out. I feel like it definitely starts settling in for me as I see pe- how people react to things. Um, am, I, am I allowed to be just like a little bit gross here for a minute? Yeah, go on. Able body things. Be gross. Ready. Um, so with my autoimmune disorder, I have sometimes like, I have a cyst of sorts that will bleed, right? Like, and it's, it's not fun. It's not sexy. Um, but like, sometimes you hit when an impact play or sometimes, you know, something gets hit wrong or, you know, scratch wrong. And the next thing, you know, I'm bleeding out of a spot on my ass. Like, and it's not fun for me. And it's just like watching kind of like how somebody handles like that when it comes up, you know, a lot of times it's just like, okay, you know, we can get it cleaned up and bandaged or let me help you with that. And like, you know, I even like, honestly, at this point, the majority of my partners that I have, if I have one will actually help me with it, like take care of it. <laughs> so that way it doesn't like leave me in pain. Um, so that's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> but watching how they handle like that kind of stuff of just like, that's, you know, it's a little bit gross. And I'm like, but you're still interested in like being sexy with me, even though you know, these things happen. All right. Like you're, you're definitely more foot in the door because I don't feel like I'm going to freak you out. <laughs> that's the hard. It's the hardest part for me. That's the hardest part is like, at what point do we know it's okay to be our full selves with a person? Do you yeah. find I, like a lot of people in kink say because you do kink, it's easier to get there. Do you find that true or do you find not so much? I feel like I end up using some of my kink activities to find if it is true. Um, because it's like they're very, um, 
intimate things, whether sexual or not, I think for me. And so there are a lot of fun things, but it's like being able to, to tell from how people react in these situations, you know, you know, how did they even just, how do they react to me telling them of like, I know I want to keep my underwear on or, um, I had one potential play partner at one point where, um, before I went on a medication that I have now, some with the autoimmune disorder, you know, my body was, is overhealing itself, right? Cause it's like, it thinks it's attacking itself. So it's just constantly overhealing. Right. Yeah. So it would never really bruise much. And I had a top try to tell me where it's like, oh, well, you're not bruising because you're not letting anyone hit you hard enough. Like, which obviously red flag. And you were like, no. Yeah. So it's like, we're not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no, we're not. No. Like, you are incorrect, sir or person. Yeah. You were incorrect. Oh, no, it was entirely a cis man, as you would expect. Um, (laughs) Of course it was. Of course. But like. But like when people do that, that makes it harder for us to be like, actually, I was trying to disclose to you that I have disabilities, but now you've just mansplained it to me. So yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the worst. Because I mean, who of us and like, you know, who a lot of us do enjoy bruising and stuff like that. So that was even a big point of frustration for me, even that I didn't bruise. And like now I'm on um, immunosuppressants to counteract my autoimmune disorder, but it actually means now that I'm more prone to bruising. So that's been a thing to monitor of like oh great i actually get like pretty bruises now but also like okay we've got to watch how they heal yeah is it a pretty (laughs) bruise or is it going to turn into a blood clot later yeah better exactly yeah um tell me a little bit more about how your kink one of the things you wrote in your questionnaire was that your kink helped you discover your disabilities and i was curious about how all that went down um yeah so i enjoyed getting to, to talk about this when we did the panel it was just so, like I said, I've been participating in, in kink activities since I was very young, um, you know, growing up in a very conservative household. And it's just there's a lot of shame around sexuality and, and you know, your body. Um, and so when I started having my hydrogenitis issues, it was very played off as like, oh, well, this is like a punishment for you being fat and for your body being wrong. And I internalized that for years. Um, and then I started going around to different kink events and, you know, this was, you know, my late teens, early twenties, even, and starting to see people who were also fat and who also like looked like me, but they didn't have any of this scarring. They didn't have any of this, like these skin issues that I was having. And it confused me because I'm just like, well, if my body has it, why doesn't theirs? Um, and one of my former partners um, actually saw them at one point and she made a note she's like hey I've heard of something that this might be this is the name for it maybe you ask a doctor about it and so I did like I went to um, went and talked to the doctor brought up the name of this we showed them the spots where I have the issues and they were like no that's exactly what this is <laughs> like it was instantly like they looked at it and they're like nope that's exactly what you have and so I discovered I had this autoimmune disorder. And even, even before I talked to the doctor, you know, I was having blood tests come back with like a high white blood cell count, which is, you know, which it kind of indicates that you're, it's when you have a, for those who don't know, when you have a white blood cell count, it means that like your body's fighting off an infection of some sort. Like that's what they produce to fight infections, yeah. but there was no reason for it. 
like they couldn't identify why it was happening. And when it came out that it's like, oh no, you have this autoimmune disorder. And like, it completely explained all these things that had happened before. And all of a sudden I knew what was going on and could get treatment. That's kind of incredible. (laughs) I mean, it's really turned my life around in terms of even just being able to have the proper treatment and like the way that I can function in my life. Um, Those like, you know, cyst situations that I was talking about before have greatly diminished and don't cause me as much pain because they can get huge and pressurized and painful and in very awkward spots. (laughs) And all the sexy spots when you want to like do stuff, but you're like, Oh, there's a cyst. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to worry about this. Cyst. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make a, pun about sexy cis six i can't do it but (laughs) um but it's cool that the disability community kind of helped you like understand what was happening i don't know the disability and kink community helped you kind of figure out parts of your disability so that's that's really awesome yeah it was definitely helpful um and i know even just with my like neurodiversity even within my kink of just being able to find ways to communicate and like being able to talk about the accommodations that I need um, and processing different traumas in my past as well of just getting to put all of that together has, you know, it's really funny when you look at it, like how these things all integrated into like who you are as a person. And it was like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, having my kink and sexuality so integrated and then also how it, brought in all these other things of just even um you know queerness and the kind of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for um not activity (laughs) advocacy really of like that goes in with that um and as like disabled um as well and getting to like find all these communities that you can like talk to about this stuff because even like obviously there are other people who are kinky and neurodiverse and disabled and like they're they exist out there in the world oh we're out and, there we're out there yeah. for sure. and getting to have conversations with them about how their body works and how they ask for for you know a specific accommodation or a thing that they need and you know I feel like we all it's like you know all of the queers and like or disabled people like in various communities like we all just gravitate towards each other but like we find each other <laughs> Oh yeah, because we're just looking for like some kind of connection. We're like, we gotta, I gotta, I gotta connect. I gotta figure it out. I gotta, I gotta yeah. talk to somebody about this. Exactly. Um, you mentioned earlier, like you mentioned fatness, and I'm curious because I know that in disability communities and in queer communities, fatness is read in a very negative way. Um, even still, even with all the fat positivity we're doing, how is how is your fatness read in those communities? Um, I. It really, like, I feel like depends on the part of it where you are, the people. Um, but it's it's definitely there are still some people in the kink community who will look at a fat body very negatively. Or, you know, like, you know, I'm going to be here, out here scantily clad and it's something that they don't want to look at. And so it's just like, well, you can look away. <laughs> like, if you don't want to see this, look away, go somewhere else. Like, this is my body. This is This is how it exists in the world. And... I I feel like a lot of even like with I think this kind of like centered around my fatness and then as well as grew into like accepting my disability with it as well of just like not everybody is going to be into me and that's okay but there are also a lot of people who also think I'm hot (laughs) 
<laughs> like, like not everyone's going to be everyone's preference. And like, that's okay for that to be the case. As long as you're not sitting here and trying to like hate on me for it. Yeah. Like, I, you can, I can, I can accept the fact that I'm not going to be someone's type. That's fine. But if you come like up to me and start to like make a problem out of it, then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I think for a lot of disabled people and neurodiverse people and chronically ill people, or all those people together, when we have to come to terms with the fact that someone's not our type, the little voice in our head that says, oh, it's because you have this disability. Oh, it's because this. Like, even if it's not, even if it has nothing to do with that, our brains are hardwired to be like, well, it's because you're disabled, obviously. Oh, entirely. Like, I mean, heck, because you've got people who will post out there, you know, even on their dating profiles of like, no crazies, no disabled, no fatties. No like fats, no this, fems, no Asians. Like, and you're just sitting there like, like, really? <laughs> like, you know, you're missing out, right? Like, I could rock it, your world if you just let me try. And they paint us all with, like, this, like, one big brush, right? And it's just, like, nobody's the same. And, like, this is entirely prejudiced. <laughs> like, this is super ableist, super fatphobic, super, yeah. like, all the things, like, and I just, I don't understand how how people can be that way but also people need to understand like even if you weren't into me because you just weren't into me and that's fine and i respect that my brain will still go oh it's because you're in a wheelchair yeah it has to be there there's no other reason and it could be because like andrew i'm just not into you but my disabled brain is like yeah right if you were in a wheelchair they'd be all over you but too bad for you yeah, it's it's a lot of just that internalized hatred. I feel like we have for our like that because it it, it and it's learned because you have it like shoved into your face, but yeah. then it's just like and, and I will be completely honest. Like it took me years of therapy <laughs> to get to the point of like even just like that level of acceptance of that because it's just like no, it's not always about you, but it doesn't mean it doesn't still feel like it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... So I wanted to ask you, being poly, have you ever felt like you've had to explain your disability over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? Oh, for sure. Like, it's just, and with, especially with, with being poly, you're just like constantly repeating yourself. <laughs> you feel and you're like, who did I say this to again? <laughs> and that's um, why you need, that's why you need the like FAQs to be like, who did I tell this to? How did I say this? How should I say this? this is why you need the user manual, you know? And it's honestly like, and I've used, like I said, I know I plug Google stuff all the time, but like having a Google doc, even I've just like, that I've had in the past of like things that I would eat and would not eat. And that way it was like shared with people and like we updated it as necessary. And it's just like, you know, and that's why I do love like writing things down and being able to share them with people. um, Just because it makes life a whole lot easier. I feel like instead of, repeating yourself constantly you're like here here's the material to review let me know if you have any questions <laughs> yeah there will there will be a test afterwards please <laughs> make sure you get an a and if you don't get an a we can't fuck thanks <laughs> no, right exactly like you have like <laughs> it's there's so but there's so many little things that are really important about this stuff of like you know that and like, this is also part of why I have to kind of do at least a certain level of my partners talking together. Like, I know everyone's not a fan of, you know, kitchen table particularly, but I at least need my partners in communication because it's like, if something goes wrong and I'm on a date in someone else and like, 
you know, we need a, like, we need a backup, like we need somebody to come help. Like, I need to know that they can call someone else for help or like that they can know, make sure that they know, you know, what meds that I'm on. Cause that can be relevant if, you know, we've got some, you know, ambulance coming that they need to know this, that, or the other, what meds that I'm on. Like, Yeah, totally. So like you you should have like monthly poly, like zoom meetings where you're like, Hey, so this month we do this. This month I need this. This month I'm as a this. You should know that. And here, here are the updates. <laughs> yeah, here are the gimpy updates. You should know. Totally, one hundred percent support this. Um, but what are those com- like with each partner that you see? Like, do you tweak the conversation a little bit? Do you, or do you say the same thing so that it's all uniform across the board? Um, in terms of like the, the central stuff, I think that stays very uniform, but then there's also the fact that I feel like each of my partners accommodates me in a different way, or they kind of address different things that I might need help with. Um, you know, I've got like, I'm going to, I'm going to name them again because you know, Kev and so like, like when Kev and I took, like we were going on a trip and we were in an airport And it's like, I was having a disability flare as well as like having a knee issue. And I have a disability flare in an airport. That's just really, that's fucking (laughs) So he's, he's out here making sure that, you know, the gate assistance is out there. So they have like the wheelchair to wheel me to my, the next gate. And he's like carrying my backpack and like making sure that all of these things are taken care of. (laughs) And like, even though I'm sitting here, like dealing with this, like so much like internalized ableism and, and, you know, imposter syndrome stuff of like, well, am I disabled enough even to like need all these accommodations or feeling like you're getting looks from people. But in reality, I'm like, these are things that I need. And I'm very thankful that he's here helping me. Like, yeah, there's somebody is there to help me through. Yeah. It's like, I'm too nervous and like ashamed to like always ask. And he's just like, no, here. (laughs) I'll do this for you. Like, fuck off. I'm doing this for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like, I is, was mentioning, sorry, I was thinking, I was just ahead. mentioning earlier that I uh, like have issues taking my medication sometimes. So my, my nesting partner, we kind of incorporated that into our king to where sometimes when it's like nighttime and it's time for me to take my meds, you know, it's even, I'm taking my pills and he'll put his hand over my face until I swallow like intentionally because I have issues with pills. But it's like, it's something that we incorporated into how our dynamic works. And it's super helpful for me because I take the medication that like I need to take. Well, that's, a that's, I never, I never thought I'd hear that about kink, but also <laughs> can somebody put their hands over my mouth while I swallow, please? Just right. going to put that out there. Just somebody do that for me. Please. Right. Like, and it's so small and it's just but like, it, it's, it's sexy and necessary. It's getting me <laughs> so, like, excited just at the thought of that with one of my partners like, oh yeah, I'm there for that. Yes, please. Like, yes, please. <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, what is the hardest part for you, Adriana, managing your disability that you don't talk about? Just the biggest part of it a lot of times is some of the invisibility of it. Um, like people don't understand the constant pain. They don't understand what's going on underneath my clothes that could be causing me pain. Um, You know, the people who sit there and like, they don't understand why you need to cancel for the fifth time. And you're like, you know, I'm not, I had, I had someone that I was worried if they still liked me because it's like, I had to cancel on a weekend to go see him. 
And like, I didn't hear from him for like a week and a half. And I'm like, oh gosh, is this something that's over? Because he's like upset, you know? (laughs) I had somebody the other day for the podcast and I think we've smoothed it over. And I don't know. I'm not sure if we did. And if if you're listening, I guess we haven't because I bring it up now. But so I canceled on them twice. And I said, I'm so sorry. Like my IBS is flaring. Don't know if I'll be like able to do it. And I, I never know. Like, up to an hour before I record, I have to like check in with my sphincter before I do anything to be like, can I function today? Can I get through an hour and not want to have an accident or something? I have to yep. like check with my body to be sure. So I just wasn't feeling it for the, for that time. And so I emailed them that morning and said, I'm just so sorry, not feeling great. Can we move it again? And like on my form and you, you saw the form, the form says like, you can cancel as many times as you need to, and I'll do it too. And hopefully eventually we'll get there. Don't worry. And so they, <laughs> they came back to me and said, like, this is the second time you've canceled. And I was like, uh-huh. Probably going to cancel five more times before we actually record the thing. But, uh, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And they were like, I think I'll take, because I said, oh, can we reschedule? And they're like, oh, I think I'll take a pass. And I was like, Cool. Like, so I said, okay, whatever you want to do, no problem. But I just thought, like, but I told you that, uh, like, okay. And I, I part of me felt bad, but the other part was, like, I'm not going to apologize for telling you that I might cancel on you and then you being mad that I'm doing exactly what I told you that I would do. Yeah, exactly. It's, and sometimes it leads to uncomfortable conversations because with, you know, people that, whether you're in relationships with them or just even, like, you know, professional situations whatever um and it's because you're like hey you know there's this thing that we wanted to do or i need to pivot or heck i i also i understand the ibs issues because i have you know mild ones that um aren't they so fun aren't they the greatest they're so fun especially when you're someone who really enjoys anal sex and you're like by the way here's having a conversation because I'm having an IBS flare up. This is not something that we can do right now. Like having to have that conversation is super uncomfortable. And like, you don't you want don't to do know it. how like, many times as a queer kinky person, I have still never in my 37 years of life bottomed for somebody. It is my dream to be railed by like a hot muscle otter, dude. That's like my, that is my, like, if you want to make Andrew's fantasy come true, that's it right there. <laughs> and that will never happen because how will I explain to the hot muscle otter that I want to fuck that like while you're fucking me I probably more than likely will shit on you and then I will have shame about it because I can't clean myself up yeah and it's just that's a, like and that's the thing that's a hard conversation to have like I don't <laughs> even know where to and I like my sex worker he's great I love him to death but like even he was like I don't know if I can do it, man. It's like, and it's so its fault. It's just, how do you have that conversation, but also be like, you still think I'm hot, right? Like, you still want to yep. fuck me eventually, right? 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 Like, how do you do that? Which is why I really appreciate that I have found those people in my life who, like, don't freak out about, like, messes that happen. Like, and, and for me, I don't think it happens super often, particularly that I've noticed. But, like, when it does happen... To have somebody like not completely freak out on you is huge. Because, because what they don't understand freaking... is that you are already freaking out internally. Like you, even yes. though you're in the scene with somebody and you're trying to be sexy and you're trying to be cool, inside your head you're like, what the fuck is going on? 
Like, yeah. what do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I get out of this and still have them think, yeah, I do it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's like to still find you sexy while also having to deal with like uncomfortable disability things. Like, like I said, or like having one of my cysts burst on them. <laughs> like, like, I mean, is like, there is there a way to make the cysts burst sexy? Is there a way to do that? Not that I've found at this point. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm just like glad when I have people who don't necessarily like freak out about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um uh what is my next question that i wrote down earlier oh yeah yeah so is there any other part of managing your disability that no one understands that you want to talk about like this whole show is premise on shining a light on stuff so i was wondering yeah. if there's any other any other things you wanted to to share about just disability things you don't really talk about lots that you want to maybe talk about it's i feel like a lot of it that is hard to talk about sometimes is like the ability to feel comfortable just even in your own body in your own skin like, you know, your brain is kind of in one place and like wanting to do all these things. And then your body just kind of like, nopes. And it's, it's not only like having to deal with how your partner's going to be react to that, but also like the internal disappointment that you're dealing with is hard because it's like, you're having to comfort someone else in there in like, because they're, you know, like with whatever reaction that they're having to, you know, that having whatever being canceled and, you're also beating yourself up because it's like my body feels like it's betraying me or it's doing this thing. And it's it, it trying not to like internalize that too much is really hard. And I don't think everyone always understands that because they kind of like look at it and they just look at you of like, Oh, you're an inconvenience or you're, you're difficult. And it's, it, like, sorry, I'm like, I'm getting really open here on this. <laughs> like, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm just listening, being like, I feel the same way all the time. And I don't think in disability spaces, we talk enough about the emotional toll it takes on us to constantly be making sure the other person's okay. But after we make sure they're okay, no one's like, hey, are you all right? How was that for you? Like, how many times we in sexual situations have downplayed our disabilities to make sure that the other person feels all right. And the minute they leave, the minute you're alone, then you can break and the, like your disability can be all the things it needs to be. But while they're in the room, you're like, I just have to hold it together. And I think that yeah. emotional stress, especially in sexy times with people who you want to be aroused by you, you want to get turned on and you're like, how do I do this? Like you spend so much time holding their pieces together and making sure that your disability doesn't get in their way that to have those moments to just break down is really hard. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, and I'm also someone who has a desire to like take care of my partners as well in the ways that I can take care of them. So like I try to be accommodating in the ways that I can be. And you're sitting here trying to find that balance, like you said, between like making sure that they're okay while also making sure you're okay. And, you know, well, you also kind of need that- simultaneously being like, we still want, we're still going to fuck, right? Like, yeah. Like, if I take care of you, you're still going to fuck me the next time I see you, right? We're going to, like, hang out again, right? It's not going to turn into this weird, like, caretaker thing where I just tell you that, my, like, you being uncomfortable around my disability is okay, but we're actually going to have sex again, like, and yeah. there's all that stuff. Like, I, with sexual partners, I'm always sitting there being like, at what point is the other shoe going to drop? And you're going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, Exactly. 
which is I feel like in my relationships I ended up kind of like prioritizing some of that like reciprocation that they're also checking in on you like like all the people that I'm with take care of me in their own way and it's like and I feel like with the people that I have I know that if like if I'm checking in to make sure like they're okay and like wanting to resume whatever they're also checking in to make sure that like I'm okay and like reassuring me because like I know as someone I am someone who needs a lot of reassurance in a lot of ways just because brain weasels (laughs) yeah and so you know I'll check in of just like hey can you tell me that you love me or that like you're still attracted to me and so my my partners will all know that at this point that if I'm having a rough day I will just message them being like hey can you remind me that you love me and like and they have no problem accommodating that but if someone's gonna like be angry at me for that like that I'm gonna have a harder time like wanting to stay with you because I feel like you don't understand that there's just like small things you know and I'm not that would make me feel safe yeah like do you are you one of those disabled people that gets needy a lot that gets like oh you're so needy you're so like this yep (laughs) like because I find with my partners even in in jest and playful times they'll be like oh you're so needy and I'm like but no I really am though like it's okay but I am but like I'm aware that that's just internalized ableism I feel like some of my partners at this point like have turned it at least into a playful thing which I'm thankful about like they acknowledge that I'm needy but they're okay with it like you know like yeah. they don't use it like derogatorily and even if I try to like hate on myself for it sometimes they're like like now you're just you're just my needy little brat or something you know but <laughs> it's just like yay <laughs> yay cute um what you we've been talking a lot about internalized ableism a lot and I, I wonder for you like because I know for me it sounds like you're too much, you need too many things, all the kind of stuff. What is what does your internalized ableism voice sound like to you? I feel like it's constantly telling me that like I'm an inconvenience, you know, um, that eventually they're gonna just like give up or decide one day that you're you're not worth it. Um and that's a hard like self-worth thing to fight against. Cause yeah. it's just like I understand that. I am needy and, you know, I need these accommodations and, you know, you're constantly worried that one day somebody's going to be like, well, you're more trouble than you're worth. Um, and, and I, I definitely, I know the big thing that I feel like I try to work on with that is, is those moments of remembering, like, this is not my partner saying that this is not any action that they're actually doing. This is my, 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 my brain weasels. This is what it's just saying. It's like, this is my brain lying to me. And I, it, cause it also helps me in a way, like not take it out on them. Because, yeah. you know, when, when you're sometimes when you have those, those voices telling you those things, it's very easy to like get upset at your partners and like end up in fights because of what your brain is telling you, even if it's not related to anything that they've done. Yeah. And I feel like I know for me it's important to delineate those two things because Ooh, delineate. I like that word. <laughs> I don't ever want to make them feel um necessarily even like that they did anything wrong just because of like my brain is lying to me because it's like they didn't. Like they didn't do anything that actually like that was crazy or whatever in the situation, but my brain is telling me this because I there's a lot of even in society that tries to tell us that it's just like 
disabled people don't have a lot of worth in any way or like you know you're like how we even just like we we're talking about the workplace accommodations earlier if like you know the the difference between having a job that tells me that it's just like oh well you being sick all the time is inconvenient or no one gets sick this often to having a workplace that it's like oh I understand that you're having a rough day take a chance to work from home we'll see you when you're feeling better I hope you feel yeah. better like ha- having those thing two things are a huge difference you know we have the world telling us with you know disability problems and like fat phobia and um, you know, even queer phobia and all these different things that it's just like, we're trying to deal with this outward, you know, hatred, you know, we don't want to necessarily project that onto the people who are telling us that they love us. Yeah, it's exhausting to have to, yeah, exactly. We don't want to like turn our internalized ableism into like, well, I hate myself, so I'm going to make you hate me too. Watch me do this. Exactly. Yeah. Internalized ableism is a bitch, a bitch. Yes, entirely. The worst. Um, question lying, that I didn't. Lying bitch. Yeah, lying, lying bitch, bitch. A question that I have for you that I didn't write down, but I'm curious because I use they/he pronouns, and I see that you use they/them pronouns. Um, I'm wondering, and I'm I was curious about this. Does your theyness connect to your disability at all? I don't know if I ever like directed a like a correlation between the two personally. Um. I, I mean, it may in some ways, I think from maybe like how my, my neurodiversity works a bit, you know, um, because with, it's one of those things of like, you know, you're trying to figure out all of what you do have and like the undiagnosed ADHD and I definitely have PTSD and it's just like those doctors who, who debate of, is it bipolar? Or is it BPD? Like, so yeah. <laughs> you, know, you have all of these wonderful you know acronyms too, that you're having fun with, but like, I knew that my my brain was a little different. And before I even knew what non-binary was, I was, you know, talking to, <laughs> I remember having a day talking to my mother where I was saying that, like, I feel like I had, like, the brain of a guy, but, like, in the body of, of a woman, I guess. And, you know, she flipped out on me. She's like, no, you know, you're a woman, you're a woman. And I'm just like, but but I'm not. And I wasn't trying to come out as a trans man because like that didn't feel right to me either. Yeah. But it was just like, I'm like something, something's confused to me in here. Like, I don't, this doesn't quite equate for me. <laughs> so like, you know, and I have, I have, I'm being fat. I have like a very curvy figure. So it's just like, I'm never going to be like, like androgynous, you know, particularly, but it's just like, and I have, you know, both femme days and mass days personally. And it's. Ooh, what are you today? Definitely a little more femme. Went and got my nails done. I enjoyed that. Like nice. Which and that's not necessarily one has to do the other. Like there are definitely I know masked people who get their nails done. I feel like there's like a different flavor to it. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's very like it's very like a rough rough trade when mask people. Yeah, it's do like it. do you do you want to feel and look a little dainty, or do you like are you taking care of your are you just like taking care of your appearance and like your nails? Because you know a lot of people you don't want to be scratching someone while your fingers are inside of them. <laughs> maybe you do no I don't know what your people's things are I don't know I don't know but yes but actually one of the things that I do love and I'm trying to remember who I learned this trick from but like I think to give a shout out to to Andre Shakti I think this is a thing that I learned from her but when you have like like two femme people I know me and one of my other partners do this who who they're also non-binary who likes to get their nails done you do like we have the gloves with like little cotton balls and like the tips so that way, because it's like, I, I keep my nails long, but that way I'm not hurting them when I do this. And you just have the little cotton balls in the tips of the fingers of gloves. Oh, that's a great idea. 
I love it. And I was like, I heard Next that. I was like, time, oh, this is genius. I mean, my nails are short, but if I ever decide to go the other way, I'll keep that in mind for when I finger an ass. Right? Things, things, I'll just mark it down. Um, <laughs> um, there was something you wanted to talk about that I now forget that you said at the beginning before we were recording. You were like, we got to bring this up. But now I don't know what it was anymore. My brain lost it. I think some of it we talked about. I was talking about just how, um, you know, like my, we were talking about how the disabilities make my relationships better, but then also how my relationships kind of like make the disabilities better, or, yeah. you know, helpful accommodating with those um, between how they all help me and the different ways that they do and just the awareness that they have with them. Um, like I was mentioning my partner who, you know, he, he puts his hand in my mouth so I can make sure and actually like swallow my medication or like, you know, he, he takes care of me in a lot of ways and like, and just his understanding of what I can and cannot do in our, in our kink life. Like, like, I'll be honest, like I'm sitting here talking to you on my computer and it's currently sitting on the cage that we have in our bedroom. Um, and Ooh, it's like, I like that. It's so kinky. <laughs> and it's like, I love having it, but it's also like, okay, how long can I actually spend in there? Um, Cause my body, you know, will, will, you know, have eventually been like, no, this is not okay. And like, I can't, or can't be in a confined space and, um, having him understand that because like we were trying at one point to have it like being able to to sleep all night in there um, and I would be able to do for like you know a couple hours maybe but it was just got to a point that it's like I can't do the full night and we would um, so we kind of you know pivoted to you know being able to like you know him putting me in there sometimes to take naps and that kind of stuff and so that that was something that was fine but having someone that can understand this and also talk to me about the fact that it's like, I'm beating up on myself because this is a thing that, that I would like to do, but that my body is not going to let me do. And so it's just like, we can still do this thing. We just need to do it in like a smaller dose. Like, <laughs> like that part is okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is the thing that you, that you know, you can't do? Like, I know that I'll never be able to really bottom unless like, Someone is really cool with poo. So what is the thing that you like <laughs> want to do and you're like dying to do but your body's like no? Um a king thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that I struggle with the most, um, and I know that this is definitely um prevalent, I feel like, in the the CGL community or you know, DDLG, you know, and um where it's like when you're not a small person, it like they kind of try to tell you that like you can't really be a little (laughs) um and so struggling with that but also like realizing the things that like my body can or cannot do you know you have there's definitely a lot of things in porn where you see this small this small person being like manhandled by someone bigger lifted up and doing all this different stuff I'm like I can't do that (laughs) like I am not going to be lifted and honestly I'd rather you not try (laughs) yeah and it's it's something that or, you know, like me being on top, there's definitely a lot of positions like being on top of someone that I can do and cannot do. Um, and so like having someone understand that it's just like, I can't particularly do this like this, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, like, I'm happy to try to find other things. But like, that's, I feel like, between my size um, can be really, really hard. Um, and like the, you know, knee injuries with that kind of thing of just like, hey, I can't, maneuver my body like this I need this to be be understand um or people who don't think that like like fat bodies should be suspended or put in rope and it's just like 
but I can be suspended. <laughs> like, what do you think would happen that you might break the rope? Some people do, or, or the rig, or whatever. But they wouldn't anybody think- run the risk of breaking the rig because it's a body? Like, regardless of the size, wouldn't anybody, exactly. anybody do that? It, yeah, and that's baffling to me. And that's which I was thankful for my ex's stance on it. They were always just like, you know, bigger person, more rope. Like that was like you just do more wraps. Like you have different, like you just put more rope on the body and you're fine. Like, um, but also, but they they're also a, a one handed rope top. So that was its own thing where we would get looks at conventions that we would actually go and like they would be suspending me. Like they only have one hand. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a show by itself somewhere, like on some like sex positive YouTube channel somewhere that needs to be like someone's going to make their show. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd watch that for sure. Um, I ran out of all the questions that I wrote down for us today. Was there anything else that you wanted to chat about that we haven't yet? Not off the top of my head. I'm going to be honest. Like I know, like I said, we're definitely excited to hopefully have you visit at some point. I'd love to get to to see you in person, Garza and Gerza put together there. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about your last name was Garza, my last name was Gerza. I'm sure we're related somewhere down the line. So like, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, no, I remember the first time I saw I saw your your name because I've been following the podcast for for forever and a day here, um, and it's just I'm like, hey, it's so close. But like, <laughs> I know I kept looking at your name, being like, it is so close. I really do wonder if there was a connection there because. Gerza, I know, is like Polish Jew. What is interesting? Garza. Mine, it's it's Mexican. Like, actually, my last name is is the Spanish word for crane. Oh, cool! I wonder if, like, I wonder if, well, because I know that Gerza came from Garza. I think pretty sure there's a connection there somewhere. I'm gonna look it up now. I'm gonna like. It's interesting how, I mean, just language in and of itself evolves on that, but whole, like, it's one of those things of like, definitely your name was starting to come up because it's like, I think we know enough people where it's like Facebook goes, people you may know. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, well, we know, we know Kevin Patterson. So like that, that alone, that alone, I, I always it. joke with him about the, was it the six degrees of Kevin Patterson? And he always gives me an eye roll. <laughs> Cause everyone knows him and we're all like, Oh, we know you. We know you. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's a good person to know, to be fair. He's, like, yeah. If you're going to be a kinky person, he's the one to go to. Like, he is. <laughs> um, Adriana Garza, this was so fun. Thank you for coming on the show and for talking about all the things and just for being awesome. I really enjoyed sitting down with you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, hopefully getting to just even by little bits of being visible and hopefully other people getting to feel like they have permission to be themselves in it as well. So, yeah, that's one of the things I love about the show. Like it's evolved now from just a sex show to like basically whatever I want kind of show. And I I just love having people on the show talking about like disability and having having hard conversations that we don't talk about. So I'm glad that you felt comfy and safe to do that today. Thank you. Awesome. So how can the people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they support you? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at uh, Misfits Mavis with M-I-S-F-I-T-S-M-A-V-I-S. And I just, honestly, I think the main things I post there are various nerdy and kinky things. I'm a huge nerd. So I'm like, you know, they're gaming um doing stuff other than that like 
I I used to be involved with a, a place that we had here local in Philly that unfortunately was a had to get we lost it due to the pandemic, which is always unfortunate. And hopefully we'll be able to bring it back and or bring a have a replacement somewhere down the line. And, you know, I, I like to do those kind of things. Um, but other than that, you know, not I don't I don't have any great books or writing or anything like that. Oh, that's OK. I'm sure that. After people listen to this, they'll all follow you at Mrs. Mavis um, <laughs> because they should because you're awesome and I always had a good time. Um, but uh, I would love to have you on the show again at some point to just have a chat. It was really fun to sit down with you. Uh, and thank you again for coming on Disability After Dark. And we'll talk soon. For sure. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark in the books. Thank you so much for making this episode comfy, cozy, and crippled. And I hope you enjoyed sitting down with your favorite disabled person on the internet and talking all things disability. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, andrewgerza.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza1. If you want to be on the show, you can, of course, email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com with your disability story We'd love to hear from you. If you want to support Disability After Dark, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month up to $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget. We at Disability After Dark, me, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for supporting this show and Cripple Co. and all the things we do, and tune in next week when we shine a light on another disability story, right here on Disability After Dark. Bye, friends! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.